Welcome to a Selection Sunday morning edition of Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I cannot wait to get started today. I am running on very little sleep, and I don't think there's going to be much sleep in my future because it is the best time of year. It's March. I watched 12 straight hours of college basketball yesterday. I will be glued to my TV today and for the next month, so let's dive right into it. Yesterday was an incredible day of college basketball, in my mind. From the Jordan Bohannon bank shot to beat Indiana in the Big Ten semifinal to Dalen Terry dunking on UCLA, maybe a step and a half inside the free throw line when he took off for Arizona to claim their Pac-12 title in uh, head coach Tommy Lloyd's first season. Just a great day start to finish, sunrise until sunset. I loved every minute of it minute of it and that's what college basketball is all about so I want to get started today with some big picture topics Uh, and the first big picture topic let's start at the top of the sport so I mentioned Arizona I mentioned Dale and Terry's dunk I still can't get over that dunk it was a step and a half inside the free throw line and he just yammed it Uh, it was incredible I love it It's, it's one of those plays that actually made me get up off the couch and yell so I want to start with Arizona Couldn't have been more impressed with them. I could not have been more impressed with that Arizona team. I think they clearly solidified themselves as the number two overall seed in the tournament, Um, a number one seed for sure, but the number two team behind Gonzaga. And, you know, I was really skeptical of Arizona uh, coming into this weekend after Kirk Creesa got hurt in the first round game against Stanford, I thought they there was a good chance they were going to lose to Colorado in the semifinal round. Colorado had been one of the, the hottest teams in the country uh, coming into the Pac-12 tournament. Colorado was a team that beat them at the end of February. Uh, and I, you know, I thought without Kirk Creesa, and Kirk Creesa, that's just a guy I feel like you got to say his whole name every time. It's, it's not Creesa, it's Kirk Creesa every time. But he is an outstanding player. Uh, their point guard, and without him, I, I just felt like they were really susceptible to taking a loss, if not to Colorado, certainly to UCLA in the championship game, and I put my money where my mouth was on that. I bet on Colorado, uh, plus 10, that was a push, and then I bet on UCLA last night. I think that was, I think I got plus one and a half there, either way, a, a loss, so I put my money where my mouth was, and you know what? I, I'm here to say I was dead wrong. Arizona could not have been more impressive without Kirk Risa, from top to bottom. Um, everybody on that team stepped up. Talked about Dalen Terry's dunk, but he hit a big three. He chipped in uh, 15 points last night, and he, I think he had 15 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. What a, what a stat line for a guy who's not anywhere close to the first option on that team. Uh, so I was super impressed with them from top to bottom, uh, from Terry to the Pac-12 uh, tournament MVP, Matherin, to the big man, Coloco, who was just a dominant presence inside last night, especially on the defensive end. This Arizona team has been really impressive in Tommy Lloyd's first year. And now we're going to go into the tournament with Gonzaga. Gonzaga is, is just really starting to make its impact felt on the entire sport. Tommy Lloyd, longtime Mark Few assistant, now the head coach at Arizona. They are going to be a number one seed, and Gonzaga is going to be the top number one seed, the number one, number one. So 
that is what I want to get to next. And as good as the games have been this weekend, I think my biggest takeaway from this whole weekend is that the best team in the country, the team that we cannot forget about, is the one team that is not playing this weekend. And that is Gonzaga. And, you know, what What more can I really say about Gonzaga? It seems like every year at this point, this is this is what happens with them. They are a fantastic team throughout the year. They, they get some big non-conference wins. Then they go and run their conference slate. And we kind of forget about them while all these other games are happening in the ACC, the Big Ten, the SEC, Big East, etc. And, and Gonzaga just somehow despite having the top computer numbers, despite dominating their league, despite the despite the non-conference wins over the big programs, still it's easy to forget about them when they're winning by 15, 20, 30 every single night. And Gonzaga this year, you know, they, they took a loss to St. Mary's to end the regular season, but they bounced back to win the West Coast Conference Tournament. They finish overall in the year 26-3. and three. They're number one in Ken Palm. They have the number three adjusted offensive efficiency. They have the number seven uh, adjusted defensive efficiency. And this team really is just as dominant as they were last year. Maybe not just as dominant, but it's very comparable. So going into the NCAA tournament this year, Gonzaga uh, is number one in Ken Palm. Arizona is number two. Ken Palm, of course, uh, uh, efficiency metrics, advanced statistics for, for college basketball. It's a great predictive analytics system. But Gonzaga is 5.78 points in Ken Palm ahead of Arizona, the number two team. Last year, they were 5.83 points ahead of number two Michigan heading into the tournament. So what we thought was maybe one of the most dominant college basketball teams we had ever seen. They had the undefeated season going last year till they fell to Baylor in the national championship game. They're basically repeating it this year. And we cannot forget that the Gonzaga Bulldogs are the top team in this sport and will continue to be the top team in this sport. So it's easy to get caught up in everything that's going on this weekend. Uh, and there's been a lot of great games and a lot of fun action, but let's not forget that Gonzaga is still Gonzaga. They are going to be the number one seed for a reason. And at this point, I see no reason not to pick them as the team to win the national championship. I think this is the year they finally get the job done. They've been so close so many times in the past five years, but I think they finally cut down the nets this year. If you haven't watched them play much this year, they're a joy to watch. They, they have this lineup that has Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren in it. It's a, it's a experienced and young guy in the front court. It's Timmy, It's uh, who, who's the junior, the experienced guy. He's done it all at the college level. Chet Holmgren, the seven-footer, with that just crazy, unique skill set where, where he can kind of do it all. And uh, they, they're just a joy to watch in Ken Palm's Player of the Year rankings. Holmgren is number three in the country. Timmy is number four. They got a 6'10 guy and a seven-foot guy in the front court, which you don't see a whole lot in college basketball. Um these days, and I, I think they can just beat you from every direction. So as fun as everything has been this weekend, as good as Arizona looked, as good as Tennessee has looked, uh, you know, we also had some of the top teams fall. Duke fell to a very mediocre Virginia Tech team in the ACC championship game. Kentucky, the team that everybody loves to go out and win the national championship, I feel like everybody's just 
Kentucky, 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 Kentucky. And they're a really good team. But they just fell to a rival, Tennessee, in the SEC semi. Gonzaga's sitting at home, getting rested. They took care of their business. They're the number one seed for a reason. And let's just not forget that. The next big picture topic I want to get to is the bubble. So there has been so much talk this weekend between Indiana's run in the Big Ten, between Virginia Tech actually going out and winning the ACC tournament, between Texas A&M reaching the SEC final, and they'll now compete for that championship today. There's been a lot of bubble talk and a lot of talk about should teams that finish the season strong get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to getting in the tournament or not. And as I mentioned on the last show that I did, you know, I don't get so caught up in the bubble. And part of the reason I don't get caught up in the bubble is because I just feel like all of these teams are fairly mediocre. And I know in the past we've seen some teams slip in and end up making big runs, most notably UCLA last year, but there was also that great VCU run years back uh, when when they barely got in the tournament. So I, I know it happens, but I just don't have a lot of sympathy for any team that's on that cut line, that's on that bubble line, that, that doesn't make it. And now what I'm going to say, it's not going to ingratiate me to a lot of college basketball coaches, but I just don't think making the NCAA tournament is the accomplishment that so many people want you to believe that it is. It is, if you are in a power conference, if you are a team in a power conference, it is not hard to make the NCAA tournament. It is the, it's really the definition of mediocrity. You have to just be mediocre. You have to be an average team if you play in one of the big power conferences to make the NCAA tournament. So let's take Iowa State, for example. Iowa State finished 7-11 in the Big 12 in the regular season. They went out and they lost to Texas Tech in the first round of the Big 12 tournament by 31 points. 31 points in the Big 12 tournament. And they, according to all the bracketologists right now, are pretty safely in the tournament as like an 8 or 9 seed. I think, let's see what Bracket Matrix has them. Bracket Matrix has... Bracket Matrix has them as a nine seed. So that is really safely in the tournament. I don't know that anybody would tell you, like, can anybody objectively say going 7-11 in conference is some sort of great season? I can't. So I say that to say making the tournament, it's not as hard as a lot of people want to make it sound. If you're in a power conference and you can go 500 or if you're in a league as tough as the Big 12, go a little under 500 with some some really good wins because to Iowa State's credit, they do have some a lot of good wins. They they're 9 and 8 in quad 1 games. So they have 9 quad 1 wins. They're beating some good teams and you know, from their perspective, it, it's a great step up from where they were last year. And, uh, you know, this is their first year under TJ Otzelberger, and they were just a, atrocious last year, 2-22. and 22. It, It's been a great year for them and, and shown great improvement. But I don't think anybody can objectively say that going 7-11 in the conference is some, like, bastion of elite basketball. It's it's not a earth-shattering occurrence so 
it is not as hard to make the tournament as people want to make you think. So that's why I don't get so caught up in the bubble because, you know, you're going to hear a lot today. If Texas A&M loses to Tennessee, which I do think they will, you're going to hear a lot about a lot of questions about should they get in? Do they deserve to get in? Uh, They played so hard down the stretch. They went on such a great run here. And my answer is I, I really just, I don't care. They did enough. They had enough opportunities throughout the year that I am not going to feel bad for any team in a power conference. Keyword, power conference. Because I do feel bad for some of these teams in smaller conferences that do everything they can all year, win their conference regular season, and then you know go out and have a bad tournament and don't, and don't make it. Because they just don't have the same opportunities that the power conference schools have. But for a team like Texas A&M in the SEC, you know, if you wanted to make the tournament so badly, maybe you shouldn't have dropped seven straight in the middle of the year, including losses to South Carolina and Missouri, both at home. You know, there's a lot that you can do throughout the season to prove yourself. And if you're a team that, that has to go on a run like this to end the season, that means that you had a problem somewhere earlier in the season. And look, I, I 100% believe that teams can improve and get better throughout the season. I think that, you know, last 10 is no longer something that the committee looks at when uh, for for uh, seating purposes or for, for at-large purposes. But I think that last 10 should actually count for, from a seating perspective. I think you want to reward teams from a seating perspective that are playing well at the end of the season. Not so much whether they should get in or not, in my opinion. I think in college basketball, we have a bit of a problem where March is this amazing month. You know, there's nothing better than March. But for 95% of the sports world, March is the only month that matters when it comes to college basketball. So I think we need to be doing more in college basketball to make the games in November through February matter, not less. And by letting in a team like Texas A&M, who, you know, really was, again, the definition of, of mediocre. They went 9-9 nine and nine in, in the SEC. By letting a team like that in uh, without winning their conference tournament, I think you are just saying, once again, that the only month that matters is March. So sports fans, don't worry about paying attention to college basketball until March because that's all that matters. And I think that's the problem college basketball faces right now and needs to fix in, in some way. Don't want to take anything away from the month of March because to me, there's nothing better. But at the same time, we need to make the months of November through February matter more. Okay, let's move on to today's slate of games on Championship Sunday. Small slate, five games then leading into that selection show at 6 p.m. Eastern time where we finally get to see the bracket revealed. Uh, Interesting slate today from a gambling perspective. So, you know, I think that a lot of the, I I think that the spreads are are pretty sharp today. I'm not seeing a lot of things that I love. Uh, When the matchups were set, I I love the way that Memphis has been playing, and I really wanted to find a way to get on Memphis today. But Ken Palm has that as Houston minus six. The actual spread on that game, it's bouncing around a little bit, but it, it's it's been between like 
Houston minus four and Houston minus four and a half. Um, now actually down to Houston minus three and a half. So I feel like Memphis is not getting as much as they should based on the computer numbers. It's, um, it's just not a lot of value there. I, I think probably part of that is just the name recognition of Memphis. Everybody knows all the talent they have. Memphis has beaten Houston twice throughout the season, including the last game of the regular season. So I think that's kind of front of everybody's mind and why that number is probably a little lower than it should be. So I'm just going to stay away from that one entirely. Uh, But where I do think there is a little bit of value today is in some of the totals. So a longstanding strategy when it comes to uh, conference tournament final action has been to to target the unders. Uh, typically, whenever a team, whenever two teams are playing on a neutral site and they've been playing, th- or they're playing their third game, at least their third game in three days, the unders do very, very well. And unfortunately, this year it seems like Vegas has has really caught up to that a lot. So uh, a bunch of games over this weekend that that fit that that model that fit that strategy. The lines have been anywhere. The totals have been anywhere between seven to 10 points under what Ken Palm projects as the total, which is not normal at all. So clearly the books have caught up to that strategy. And in this first game, I'm going to talk about, I think there's actually a little value on the other side. I think they've adjusted this a little too much. So Iowa and Purdue face off in the big 10 championship game today. Ken Palm project, pro, projects that total at 161 points. Iowa is the number two most efficient offensive team in the country. Purdue is the number one most efficient offensive team in the country. Uh, Purdue is the number three team in the country from a three-point shooting perspective. Iowa is the number 29 team in the country from a three-point shooting perspective. Purdue is does play at a slower slower pace, but Iowa is the number 52 team in the country from a pace perspective. All of those things should scream over, over, over. Now, you would think that that line, you know, it screams high-scoring game, but it might not scream over if that line is 160, 162, 165, something around that. But Vegas and the books have, have really compensated for you know, what we've seen in the past in championship games and what should be a 161 total opened at 148 and is now at 150.5. So it has gone up a little bit. I wasn't able to snag it at 148. I'm pretty disappointed about that, but I did, I did snag it at 150.5. That's 10 and a half points under what Ken Palm projects it should be. I think that this is a game where we're just going to see two really good offensive teams go at it. And uh, I, I like to over here. If I could have got it 148, it would have been a multi-unit play. But for me, this is just going to be a one-unit play. Uh, the other game that, I, that I'm liking from a total perspective is Texas A&M, Tennessee. So uh, this is a little bit different here. This is a game where Ken Palm projects it at uh, 131. The, the projected total is 131. And the books have it right about there. It's 130 and a half. So there is no adjustment happening. There is no championship game, tired legs, neutral site adjustment happening in this game. It's basically right at what Ken Palm projects it to be. And I think a big part of that is earlier in this season, 
these two teams played a game where they put up a, a combined 170 points. It was a 90 to 80 Tennessee win. And both teams in that game turned the ball over a ton. Texas A&M turned the ball over 16 times. That's 23% of their possessions. Tennessee turned it over 17 times. That's 24% of their possessions. And these are two teams that will turn teams over, that will get a lot of live ball, a live ball turnovers that can lead to points. However, if Vegas is not adjusting down, I got to go with the under. Because that strategy has worked so well in the past. It's been proven out over years. These championship games are are often tight. So, uh, you know, they're tight. They're tired. It's it's a day game. Um, I got to go with the under if there's not an adjustment. So, basically, Iowa-Purdue has been adjusted down. I'm going with the over. AM Tennessee has not been adjusted. I'm going with the under. That's also a one-unit play. And then my last play of the day is, is kind of a just for fun. I don't think it's the most strategic play, but it's it's kind of a play where I just I really like Memphis. I really like the way that Memphis is playing. I they're such a good defensive team. They're so strong. They kind of make it like a they, they make every game a, a football game, really. And you know, at times that that can be fun to watch, or at least I think it can be fun to watch when a team that has the athletes that Memphis does plays that style. Uh, so I, I wanted to get a little bit on Memphis. I, I don't think there's a ton of value in the line. So I, I did a, a create your own line of Memphis plus seven and a half. That's minus 200. I parlayed it with a Tennessee money line of minus 276. So that's uh, ends up being a plus 104 parlay. I did one and a half units on that. So that's my card for today, and that's our show. As a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter, at GorgOnSports. Enjoy the games today, everybody. Enjoy Selection Sunday. Enjoy filling out those brackets tonight. And until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.